Like, do you catch the coronavirus or does the coronavirus catch you? It's like chasing her, it's flying all around, trying to just catch people. Well, when you say you catch the cold, that's like, you didn't want the cold, but oh well, you're stuck with it. But it is bad. It's bad for the coronavirus, too, because it dies. Because it's like, it's going to either kills its host and it dies, or it gets killed by the host. Oh, because if it's in a human, the human realizes that it's got coronavirus and starts freaking out. Whereas if you're the coronavirus, you would like to be inside of a bat or a rat or a, a penguin or a shark. Because if a shark gets the coronavirus, it just goes about its way eating plankton and phytoplankton and other the other... But sharks don't have, I see what you're saying also, but sharks don't have, like, airplanes, you know? Like, humans, they can, like, be around the world in, like, a few hours, you know? Like, sort of being a human is, if you are trying to just spread, then humans are pretty good at spreading. Like, shark can only swim a couple miles or whatever before it dies, and then, you know, <laughs> human dog can fly all the way around the world. Is that, is that true? Shark flies three uh, miles its entire life and, and yeah. then dies? Well, if the corona, I mean, assume it's a sick shark, so. Oh, right. No, 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 but if a, but if a, if a, if a shark, because it's, you're in the ocean, so all the distance scales are compressed to ocean time. So actually, three miles oh, in the ocean. Oh, I forgot about ocean time. Yeah, it, you, it's, uh, it's the other, uh, the fourth kind of time. What was that joke I made a few days ago about the, like, the X, the Y, the Z axis, and then the easy access or something like time time is the easy access think about it so you're sitting at the point in space time it takes so much effort if you want to move that way or if you want to move the other way or you want to move the third way that was so much work but if you just sit there and do nothing you move through time automatically it, it's the easy access it's the easiest access to go through because you time travel forward no matter what Yes, we are all trapped in a giant time machine that's going in one direction. Yep. Uh, but I forget what it was, it was the early axis. It was oh. the x-axis, the y-axis, <laughs> the z-axis, and the early axis. Well, what's the opposite of early axis? Like, delayed game? What's, it's like a... The opposite of early axis is never shipped. The hard axis, the impossible axis. Would you ever do animation, Grant? Well... So I guess YouTube killed them all. It used to be a thing that you could just do on YouTube, but then YouTube changed the algorithm, and then it just killed everyone. Killed uh, all animations? Yeah. I think Raptor. Yeah. Raptor's dead. There's just Aaron Hansen. He's a, he's a completely different person than Raptor. He's just his game drops. He just, like, plays video games and he win, he eats Wendy's, I think, is what he's doing. That's his job. He's a professional... <laughs> On my resume, what did you do from 2007 to 2009? I ate Wendy's. Hmm. Yep. Same. I mean, talk about for me, but that's that's what I if what did I do from 2007 to 2009? Yeah, you talk about it's me. It was hard because sometimes you're like, I want to go to Pizza Hut, but you have to stay strong. You have to say, I'm not going to Pizza Hut. I'm going to Taco Bell and getting the uh, Tacos Locos Dorito Taco with a Baja Blast. All the times I've eaten a Taco Bell, I have never gotten the Doritos Locos Taco. I have had frequently the Baja Blast, but... You've never had the Locos Taco? Never. I don't, I'm not a hard taco person. Soft taco for me, thanks. Please and thank Soft you. Soft taco. I've had a lot of Doritos, and I've had a lot of... I've eaten Doritos and Mountain Dew. I guess I haven't eaten Doritos and Mountain Dew Baja Blast. I guess that's the next step. I do need to... Now the Baja Blast is everywhere, and we live in this future paradise. Uh... Maybe I have to have some Doritos and Baja Blast as my 
as a snack. I haven't, I haven't yet done that, had that combination. Yes, Grant and I were talking about this earlier. We've been noticing that all of the stores have Baja Blast in them, which is unusual because Baja Blast is usually a Taco Bell exclusive. But now it's available in stores to those who go to the Taco Bell Pizza Hut combo and say, I'm going to get a Baja Blast from Taco Bell and then eat a pizza from Pizza Hut. Mm, you can't do that. It's now available to those people at any time. And now those... Now those... Those godless swine can go around eating eating Baja Blast with whatever kind of pizza they want. Grant, what's... Please define measly. Measly is a length of time equivalent to two fights against the Undertale boss, uh, Sans... Uh, first name Sans, last name the skeleton. Why? Why? Why are you fighting Sans, Grant? Sans is best, is best number one friend in Undertale. He is the Sans first monster is... to try to be your friend. I don't even want to talk about what the genocide run made me feel. Uh, it's like, yeah, yikes. Grant. Um, Grant, I, I understand that you don't want to talk about how the genocide run made you feel. I'm gonna ask you a question. How did the uh, genocide run make you feel? Well, uh, asking the tough questions, literally the, t- literally the questions I identified as such would be tough. Yeah, um, well, you know, that's, I asked the tough questions. This, you, you signed up for this. I sent you a little, did you see that email I sent you earlier today? It said, um... Get ready for some tough questions, specifically, if you mention any tough questions, uh, they'll be, you they'll will be, be asked. You'll, you'll get asked, Grant. There's no, there's no hiding. There's no yeah. secrets here. This isn't the Chamber of Secrets. We're not in Harry Potter. I know I know it looks like we're in Harry Potter because there's that giant lizard man slurping the window. I know that that is confusing to you. And it's confusing to me too. I I still I still haven't quite worked out why that man is uh, that lizard person is outside the window. Maybe he's a Illuminati recruiter, but um it's not uh, it, it's not, it's not a Harry Potter world. Sorry. Anyway, genocide run. Yeah, genocide. Made me feel like normally, or, I mean, in the classic Undertale way, it makes you question everything that you thought about video games. But normally, I would say that you play video games to help relieve stress and entertain uh, yourself and uh, perhaps uh, help you work through some things in a meditative way. Uh, mm-hmm. But playing through with the genocide run, it's there's none of that. Every decision feels like some psychological cost. You, like, you're fighting and dying, and she says all this stuff about, like, I'm the hero, you're the villain, uh, I'm protecting people, you're hurting people, and it's like that, you know, that, that hurts to hear, that, that, that drains your determination, that doesn't fill it. Basically what I'm saying is normally you play video games to fill you with determination, but uh, in the genocide run, I would argue that it drains you of determination, but it has to set all that up, it has to set itself up so you can, you have to believe in it, you have to feel like it's real, you have to know, you have to know the weight, you have to feel the weight of your sins crawling. You, you can feel your skin's crawl. You can feel your sins crawling. That's what uh, uh, that's what 
our friend uh, Comic Sans says, right? That's what Comic Sans says, yes. Comic Sans is all skeleton. If you write skeleton in Comic Sans, does Sans appear? If you write skeleton in Comic Sans, then, uh, yeah. Don't try that out. It just starts up Undertale. It just loads. It finds Undertale on your hard drive and just starts that. Just finds Undertale.exe and loads it into program memory. You want to try that real quick? I'm going to go to Word. Do you have, what are you, you have Word on your iPad? Of course I have Word on my iPad, Grant. It's a computer. Alright, here we go. I'm typing skeleton in, into Word. Oh my god. Grant, when I typed skeleton and then press space, the first letter turned to a capital S. Wow, that's... I think that means something. I think that's... Well, sans. you know that sans talks in completely lowercase letters. I know. So, that's saying something. Well, what I need to do is is write skeleton on all lowercase letters. Um, but it's preventing me. The program knows that if I actually complete skeleton in all lowercase, I'm fucked. So, I'm going to put a space and then... I can't uh, stop pressing in. I type started started typing skeleton. And I just keep pressing oh, in. I it can't keeps, pick it. Grant, it keeps changing the capital S. It's just filling in ends. Oh wait, okay, I did it. Like when Metaton asks how many letters in the name Metaton What's the answer? Alright, how many then how many letters are in skeleton? Skillot. Welcome to the show, everybody. Yesterday, yesterday, when we recorded the first episode of this podcast, which was yesterday, which we recorded yesterday, mm-hmm. um, we talked about gremlins, and the response was overwhelming. We've got over three downloads of the podcast, if you can believe it. Wow. So... We talked about gremlins last week, and we talked about the community episode of postnatal care and uh, lawnmower maintenance. It could be the other way around. Who knows? Uh, today, we are going to be talking about the movie that everyone knows and loves called... Two Movies. Two Movies. A trilogy. The Yes Men trilogy. Um, called The Yes Men save the world and what's the second one the yes men are back uh the yes the yes men the yes the men yes are revolting men are revolting they sure are um so i should probably talk first about how i found out about this movie in the first place i i do some art from time to time i make some art and my art professor uh, Nestor Heel. Follow him at Nestor Armando Gil. Is that on his... Instagram? Dot FM. Dot Instagram. Dot FM. YouTube.com slash Nestor Armando Gil.com. Yeah, follow him on Instagram. Is it Gil or Hill? I'm sorry. I don't. Heel. Actually, I've never met this person in real life. I just. Heel. Nestor Heel. 
Mr. Hugh. So, a lot of my work is about, like, pranks sometimes. Um, so making... Making stuff that is annoying to other people and that I kind of find kind of fun to make. So he said, you should check out this movie. These people are doing really cool performance work. Um, and it's true, they are. So basically what the Yes Men do is they impersonate people. They impersonate big businesses and they make bogus announcements. So their first one was they made a fake website for the Dow Jones and they pretended to be the Dow Jones, and the BBC invited them. No, Dow them. Chemical. Dow Chemical. Dow Chemical. <laughs> oh, that's different. Okay, I guess the they Dow pretended Jones... to be the stock market. They, they pretended. They pretended. To we be are the stock, stock market. market. Okay, sorry. So they announced that they were Dow Chemical, which had a, some sort of disaster in India where they spilled a bunch of chemicals, and oops, oops. and they said oops, and then didn't do anything about it they actually didn't say oops i think that was the point they didn't even say oops they didn't say oops and then they also didn't do anything about it yes so they these these the yes men said uh well we take full responsibility for this thing obviously this was like this caused a lot of outrage um among people and they quickly were found out to be total frauds but uh, they they did an interview later where they found out that people like in the stock market were actually like surprised by this and changed stocks that they were buying because for a moment they thought it was real news and they thought they could get ahead. Um, but then it was slowly found out to be a hoax. So that was kind of interesting. But they do all kinds of stuff like this. So I'm looking at images of them right now. They made these little uh, survival ball things, which are adorable. Uh, little, little inflatable spheres with three arms that let you survive the apocalypse. And they made their first movie, and it was wonderful. And they did a bunch of other weird stunts and weird things and impersonations of real people. And then they went on, and they got old, and they made another movie called The Yes Men Are Revolting, which was just as good and covered basically from the year 2007 to the year 2013. So the first movie was like, Everything up to 2007, and the next movie was 2007 to, like, 2013 or 2014. So I think, did I miss anything about the movie? About the series? Uh, no, yeah, that's pretty good. And just to remind everyone, uh, we don't expect anyone to have watched, I don't think, any of the stuff we're talking about. I think this is a... a uh, standalone podcast, uh, is at least our goal. Uh, so... In fact, uh, if you've watched it, please, please turn off this podcast right now. We don't want you. Well, I don't, I think we can, I mean, certainly if any of this sounds interesting, uh, you know, you could consider these reviews in some sense, but, uh, and if you later become interested in watching any of these, uh, feel free to do so, but we don't expect anyone to have watched any of the specific, uh, things we're referencing, um, Yes. So just to clear that up. Yes. Um, so, what did you think of this movie, Grant? What did you think uh, of the first What did I think movie? of, number of one the first movie? movie? Number one movie. Um, I thought... I think with a lot of projects, there's sort of two levels. There's like... 
how much fun does this look like it was to do like as sort of even like a does this look like a fun thing to do and then there's was this enjoyable to sort of experience and i feel like there's a lot of things that i look like uh, a lot of media not even just like something like this where it's about people doing things but just like media in general like um just you know some of the more produced podcasts or some video games or something and you look at it and like i you know i bet whoever made that probably had a ton of fun making it but as an entertainment project it's not it doesn't quite you know entertain me uh specifically to to consume it um so did you feel like this movie fell into that category of thing that looked like it was fun to make, but wasn't that fun to watch? Yeah, or even their, maybe even going about like the projects they worked on. Like it looks like they were probably having, you know, a ton of fun, but, you know, I'm not quite sure. Like, you know, I guess, how much were they actually doing to solve the problems they thought they were solving? Again. Like, yeah, these projects, they look like tons of fun to do. It looks like, uh, except, you know, some of the getting in trouble with, like, actual, like, police and stuff. You know, that didn't, I get, you know, I would say, you know, I don't think activities need to involve risk to be uh, fun. <laughs> but I think uh, the, the way they structured the things they were doing certainly looked fun to, to plan out. And I think... On some on some level, can communicated their message, but I was definitely watching it more as a like, you know, look at what these two guys are doing with their lives, not necessarily look at these pieces of finished performance art and judge them based on how effective they were. Do you think? Do you view them as artists? Yeah, I was one like just looking at it though. It's like they have those those three D renderings that they would present. They were so crappy. <laughs> they were the probably the worst. Like if you've ever seen Tim and Eric, and you've seen those like awful three D renderings that Tim and Eric make, it's just as bad as those. Like the Pilgrims, it was like literally the Pilgrims. Yeah. Um, and then the like actual survivals they actually made. It just made me think like. You know, these guys, you know, how many people do they have behind them? Like, how big is this operation, actually? Like, yeah. I don't that, think those guys stitched, like, 20 survival balls or whatever, you know? Yeah, they definitely had tons of people behind the scenes helping with, with their projects. And I also agree. Um, I feel like their projects didn't really have that big of an impact on the world. And that was... But I don't know if that's particular to them i think it's just like the world is big and the problems they're trying to tackle are huge and of course of course they're not going to make progress on them because nobody's made progress on them at all so i'm a little conflicted because i don't really know like what i don't know what they could have done differently like if i were in their positions i think they actually did a really good job of, of doing all the things that they needed to do so i'm like I have a similar feeling to you, and it sort of depressed me how, like, meaningless and sad the things they were doing and how they didn't really affect the world at all, but I don't know if that's, like, 
maybe if they picked smaller targets, it could have been more effective. I mean, I think they picked, like, I guess when they focused on that, like, one housing development in New Orleans, that was a pretty uh, low-level thing. But I guess my first, like, if they're like, here's a fake New York Times about how to fix literally every problem in America, or, like, here's how, like, the BP oil spill, like, the biggest man-made disaster of the decade, like how that was bad and how we should have stopped it. Like, you know, those are some pretty big targets they're going for, so. Yeah, you're right. It, it feels like they're not, like, they're not saying, here's a problem. Like, here's Dow Chemical. We would like to take Dow Chemical. We would like Dow Chemical to refund these people in India, right? Let's figure mm-hmm. out the most effective way to do that. Like, that's not what they're doing. Because if they were doing that, they would be like, oh, we'll do like a lawsuit, class action or something, get like the UN involved or something. Like, there's more effective ways to do that than to go on television and announce that they're giving them all this money, you know? It seems more like they were saying, we're a couple of goofs, and we like to do weird, goofy things. And here's a weird, goofy thing that uh, it's kind of interesting and funny. So let's do it. Which is, like, fine. It just was... It felt, like, kind of dishonest. It's like... I feel like that was your real motivation. Was like... Let's... Let's do something. Let's be, let's be a couple of goofs. Be a couple of goobuses and uh, do something gooby. Which I love. But, like... Like, I'm... That's, that's like, what, what a lot of my art is about. Is let's do something goofy. Uh, for no reason, but like, yeah, it felt like they were like putting it into a box. Like it was like, oh, it has to have a purpose. It has to have a meaning. When it didn't, it didn't need to. It was okay. It was just. It's just weird to go around in corporate settings with these giant balls and roll around and have everyone say, "Wow, that's so amazing!" Right? Like that's funny enough. It doesn't need to be particularly targeted at a thing. It can just be. Because then, if they targeted a thing, it brings up how ineffective it is at actually solving that problem. You know. Or, or it just, just it looks vain. It's or it's like it's yeah. You're trying to make art, but you're trying to make yourself feel better about make it like it's like oh my art. It's not just an indulgence. It's saving the world or whatever. And it's like well maybe your art specifically. It's not good enough. Like maybe you could save your town or you could save your county or something. I don't you know maybe not everyone is up to saving the world. You know, right? It's like it's like just. It it's fine. It's okay if your art is self indulgent. Like no one gives a shit. It's like, it's all good. Good thing I dropped that uh, thing while I said uh, the word shit. I can always take here. I'm just gonna record a raw version of that. And now I can just take that. Whenever I say a, a, a swear word, I can just go back and drop that, drop that charger, right in there. Okay. So, so what do you think of the second movie? What was did that feel better? Did you feel like they were getting a better sense of how to uh, justify their art? Or did you feel like they become more self-aware? Did you feel like they went further down the path of, like, I'm doing this art so that I feel good about it? Um, Honestly, um, maybe. I think it kind of made it feel a little less organic. Like, seeing them talk about like when when they even when they use that word actions they're like oh we we're planning a new action like realizing that there was like a word for what they're doing they realize oh this is sort of a, like these are things people do kind of all the time this isn't just like a totally like just two completely normal people thought totally came up with this like thing to do 
it's like, oh, they think of these as like a process or that they're doing like they just they just decide we're gonna go take action against something and then they plan it out. It's not like just something bothers them and they're like, How can we fix it? And then they come up with, Oh, we should do this or that or whatever. It's like maybe sort of realize how wrote you know, what they're doing, how like just like I guess almost like formulaic I would say the things they do are just something I observed that like I think that happens a lot with stuff is like you see the first kind of a thing you're like wow this totally like something that there is a formula behind but the first time you see it and you don't know there's a formula you're like wow that was totally like every single part of the formula is new like the first time you see like a spy movie or whatever or like a romantic comedy and you're like wow that's so clever how like you know they bring back these characters from the past or whatever and like you know someone knows some secret and it's like really clever and then you realize oh they're you know you watch another one and you're like oh that's sort of just a trope and they're just borrowing it and you sort of realize like that that wasn't just all came up with for that one movie or whatever so just sort of that feeling of like seeing something that is formulaic but not knowing it's formulaic and then learning after the fact there's a formula behind it. What would you say that formula is for them? I think, like, just pick, like, I almost think they're just, like, following the money. Like, who's, what company is, like, making the most money or, like, being sued for the most money and then, like, you know, or, like, it's almost like, you know, they can do a bigger action against a bigger enemy, you know, like, it's an interesting reversal of the formula of following the money, right? They're still following the money, but they're, like, reversing it. They're turning it on its head. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What did you think about, like, the marriage? So the guy got married. One of the partners yes. got married, and the other one uh, broke up with his, or got dumped by his boyfriend because he was spending too much time on his art projects. Um, so... Do you feel like that made their relationship better or worse or strained or what do you think? It was definitely a symptom, not a cause of it. Like it was just like the fact that he didn't talk about having more kids was because they were drifting apart as partners, not there was a significant effect on their working relationship because of him not talking about having more kids. Yeah. Like, I think. Um, Why do you think their relationship started to drift apart? That's what I'm curious about. Maybe it was, again, it was more just symptoms. Like, it was, you know, he feels okay focusing more on his kids because he's moving away from their art because he feels something about it not being effective anymore or it not giving him what it, what it once gave him or you know, not achieving the goals he had for it or whatever, so. Yeah, I think it all roots, it sort of stems from the fact that, like, now they're reaching the long term, the long game, and they're sort of seeing that a lot of the work that they did, a lot of the performance pieces that they did had, like, basically no impact on the world. And I think they're they're both reacting to that in different ways, right? Like, uh, the guy who lives in Scotland with his wife, he's like... um, I don't 
I'm just going to stop doing this, right? And then the other guy's like, well, we need to double down. We just didn't do it enough, right? Like, for the guy in Scotland is like, this is my, like, okay, experiment failed. Let's move on. And the other guy was like, well, but we didn't try hard enough. We need to keep going, right? And that's sort of conflicting. Um, But it's the same thing that they're reacting to, just different reactions. Should we talk about the the drinking scene in uh, Uganda? Uh, that one guy was asking, like, basically, how does gay sex work? And then just like, uh, let's say I want to have sex with Peter. I don't. And then they panned over to Peter, who had like a giant grin on his face and was nodding. And I was like, I think Peter wants to have sex with you. Mm-hmm. Throughout this whole two movies, though, the gay antics were amazing. Like that, there was a scene where. Um, they were interviewing a bunch of conservative think tank people um, oh, under under the I guise oh, under the guise of writing a movie about Milton Freeman, which, in all fairness, they did write a movie which was about Milton Friedman, a kind of. <laughs> it was berating him and making fun of him, but it was about him. So they asked him about that, um, and he. And they they were in front of a green screen, right? And they asked uh, each of the people, like, oh, what would you want to be in front of? And some people were like, I want to be in front of the White House. I want to be in front of space. Um, and then another guy was like, I would like to be in front of an image of men doing whatever their hearts desire. A free men. Yes, men doing, enjoying, yes, free men enjoying free their freedom. Free men enjoying their freedom following their heart's desire and in my head i was thinking i didn't say this out loud i I later went back and said i totally was in fact thinking this and i was like yeah you know it's this guy he sort of doesn't quite understand like maybe just doesn't know what a picture is or whatever but he's not really describing a picture in the first place so i'm trying to think you know what are they gonna like what were the real things and then what like you know you might do like the statue of liberty or like you know the statue of paul bunyan or whatever it's like that might be the real thing i was like obviously you know these are comedian so they might do a joke and i was like a funny thing would be like maybe you know two guys making out or something uh and my my greatest wish was fulfilled because uh as soon as he uh finished explaining what he wanted uh what showed up on the green screen uh were three uh black and white uh posters of uh just some top quality gay porn softcore softcore gay porn but you know, some real top shelf stuff. That's a good movie. It's a good gay movie. That's a good LGBT movie. <laughs> and the B stands for Baja Blast. The B in fact stands for Baja Blast. The B LGBT stands for Baja Blast. As we know. So, uh, gotta, gotta rate this, this movie on a scale of low to, to, to medium. Sorry, warm, low. Medium, medium high, or high. Hmm. Or we could do the, the the one that Dad suggested, where we say it's it it receives a ten, but then you decide what that ten, 10 is out of. of what? Well, <laughs> okay. yeah, no, quite, yes. Well, yes, a ten out of. Um, do some math. Carry the two. Another one. 
got my score. All right, I think mine's pretty simple. I'll, I'll start with mine because I think mine's a pretty straightforward 10 out of 20. I think this is a just about a middle-of-the-road movie. Uh, an interesting look into the lives of some fairly interesting men, but, uh, you know, just more also just kind of a just a look into the early 2000s and, you know, what we're all sort of doing there and some projects that had some interesting parts but also maybe some execution issues and that is the other wonderful thing about this movie if you it's really hard to tell like when you're in an era what it feels like to be in an era and i think that we are now far enough from the 2000s to be able to tell what it was like to live in the 2000s because our culture is so different now. And if you were looking for a movie which encapsulates um, 2000 energy, this is the movie for you. This is a strong 2000 energy. Yeah. <laughs> 2000s energy. Yeah. 2000s energy. You will be reminded of how you were and how ridiculous culture was. So I agree with that. I agree with that, Grant. I agree with that part. I, I'm going to give this a 10 out of 17, actually. Wow. Um, so a little bit higher than yours. Uh, because here's what I liked about this movie. I have done a lot of performance pieces myself as well, also. And I've it, it's always a struggle to figure out how to document the pieces. And what I really liked about this movie was how they were able to... Documentation for performance art is always so boring. It's like you're looking at like a, a piece of paper on a wall that says this is what you did and this is why you did it. Or you're like, I don't know, you're looking at some artifact from it. It's like, oh, I did a performance piece where I didn't touch any toilet for three days and here's the uh, terracotta pop and pot in which I pooped. It's like, great. Uh, that's kind of sad and boring. But what I liked about this was they they... They did their performance pieces, and they they presented it in a really entertaining and interesting and fascinating way. Like I was really, I really lo- liked watching it and finding out. Like, I agree. This was doing. a, I think the document the crew the the documenting crew actually I think was did a pretty good job of capturing uh, the important like sort of summarizing these things that were basically meant to be experienced in real life by real people, but sort of translating them into, uh, you know, what were the highlights? What was the overall story? What's, how do we condense this for people who aren't there or want to know the, the overall story? I think that was, yeah, I agree. That's actually another question I had. Like, I was curious, like, who was, who curated this? Because there were two guys, right? There was, uh, there was the... The guy who did all the performing and then the other guy who did sort of some of the planning and stuff. And it seemed like the other guy was narrating the movies, but I wasn't sure if he was editing it, you know? I think he seemed to have, like, creative control. Um, He seemed to be, like, in charge of what was shown and what wasn't, and he was narrating the entire movie, but I feel like there's no way he had time to actually edit this. So there must have been some other editor, and you're right that... Whatever outside source edited this together did an amazing job of capturing, like, 
their their own thoughts and feelings about about this. And even okay. whoever was in charge of the the camera crew, like, because these you know yeah. they had camera crews at each of, at each of these actions that you know were like this wasn't just like you know them wearing a GoPro or like some like put together from like street footage and like you know public information like videos from like the cops that arrested them at you know Occupy Wall Street or whatever like this was you know they had crews with them capturing the the actions and that's hard to do like that takes a lot of balls to be like like the, this work is going to be so interesting and so worth it that I'm going to like bring an entire film crew to it you know like it one takes a lot of work to set that up in the first place and two it's like these people must have really believed in these ideas to get to put that much into it and to do all that effort to take it to that next level um it's not a trivial task to get a camera crew let alone a good one to actually work for you so i think that sort of added to the passion of the work to be like yeah these people really care about this yeah great great movie good movie great not a great movie i would say i would recommend this movie to uh anyone who is uh pretty goofy um yeah it's a good good uh good template for yeah how to be goofy and maybe really just for people specializing in art like i think all art has an aspect of protest and you know like doesn't have to be as explicit as these guys are, but I think, you know, seeing what pretty direct protest art looks like can help probably more broadly with most art, I think. Anyone who plans to actually make some, some art could probably learn at least a few things from from these guys' story. I think if you're an artist, you got to see this. You will really like this. It's really good. But also, I think if... If you're just the if you're the average um, the average Jane floating around, I think I would need to know a little bit more about you. And you know, Grant, I think you you raise an interesting point there. You said it's a good guide of how to be goofy. I really agree with that because I think there is a skill of of being a goob, you know, of being of being out in the world and in a situation being creative with the environment you're around, right? Like mm-hmm. these, the, the material, the medium of these people is boring business conferences, right? <laughs> That's the medium they're working in. It's like, how do we take a boring business conference and get creative with it? And I think it's, it's just like, if you're stuck somewhere with a bunch of people, you can have a lot of fun. And this is a guide of like, here's how you have fun doing the mundane tasks that you already have to do, right? Like if they can have fun in one of the most boring situations on the planet, like surely you can, you know? Mm-hmm. And surely whatever you're doing, it's probably less boring than an insurance conference or whatever. So it's like... It's kind of sobering. It's like a good piece of evidence to have. It's like, here's here's somebody who can have fun with a bunch of old businessmen talking about making money. Nice. Oh, we need to say, hope this helps together. So we can edit that in. <laughs> of course. Uh, um, all right. Three, two, one. Hope this, this helps. helps.
It's, isn't it also... Wait, what is, what is the name of our show? Oh, wait, no. Shit, I hope this helped. Hope that... Okay, three, two... Hope this helped. helped.